Welcome everybody to Living Your Career Show. My name is Roisin Duffy and I'm your host. The theme of our show today is right or wrong, executive presence in the virtual world is critical to your career success. You'll never find the words executive presence written into a job description or you'll never see it in a job advert online. You probably never even hear the word mentioned when it comes to interview feedback and particularly if you didn't get the job. And often, in fact, if you do get the job, most people will not say you got it because you had more executive presence than others. So what is this unspoken attribute? Why is it so highly valued by employers? And how do we cultivate it? Nowadays, and in our modern world of work, many interviews are conducted online. Many um, meetings are happening virtually. So how do we convey our executive presence to managers and to leaders, and particularly influential ones, for the benefit of our career? Our special guest today is Pamela Wigglesworth, CSP, American, Singapore-based, international brand communication. I'm going to say expert, Pam. Trainer. She's going to kill me for that. Uh, and I don't think she should. Uh, trainer, speaker, author with a global and multicultural outlook. Pam is a member of the Global Feather, uh, let me get this right, Pam, Global Speakers Federation and founding board member of Primetime Business and Professional Women's Association Singapore. I would say, having met Pam over the last couple of weeks, that she is most certainly a coaching dynamo. And that is to SMEs and internationals, and I think largely, Pam, in Asia Pacific or elsewhere. Right in Asia Pacific. And she has insight into executive presence in the virtual world. And her view is that it is an imperative for any professional who is striving for career success, given our current way of working. So welcome to the show, Pam, and thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I love chatting with you about this topic. Uh, when we first met, we probably went a little bit longer than we went, we were intended to be, but uh, thrilled to be here today and share with your listening audience how they can improve their executive presence in this virtual world here. Pam, I think most of our speakers would think about Pamela Wigglesworth and say, and I know even you have a crack about this in the, in the, that it could be in a Harry Potter book. Yes. But maybe yes. you can please tell us, where does Wigglesworth come from? It is English. Um, I'm married to a Brit, so I had a nice American name, Kennedy, before I took on Wigglesworth, um, but it definitely has become a conversation piece. But it's funny how something that's three syllables, some people can't get out, um, especially in Asia. So my name becomes Mrs. Wiggles sometimes. So, um, yes, yeah, it's interesting, but it is, uh, I think it's just outside of Yorkshire um, in the UK. So small town, not much happening there. Most Wigglesworth live outside of the UK, either in the United States or in Australia. I have to say, you know, because obviously in the world of careers and recruitment, we get to meet so many people. Mm. A first for me, I actually checked my CRM to see if I had another Wigglesworth and you were it. You were the only okay. one. <laughs> There's not there that There's only three in Singapore and uh, my husband's the other, one of the others. So, but uh, we're the two or three of us here. Um. Pam, let's crack on with our theme today. So executive presence. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would say, what the heck are they talking about? I mean, I suppose they'd have a fairly rough understanding of what executive presence is, but what does it look like? What does it feel like if you have it 
in terms of if you're operating with executive presence, what does that look and feel like to somebody? Well, it's a great question to start this this process because you'd be surprised how many people do not know what executive presence is. Um, I was just recently hired to, to coach a gentleman, and even though we he had I had already been hired by the HR, the first question from him was, "Well, you know what? They hired me or hired you to work with me on my executive presence, but I really don't know what that is." And so it's a fair question, a great place for us to start. If you think about it, the French would call it that little je ne sais quoi, which is that little something that you don't really understand what it is. If we were to ask singer-songwriter Alicia Keys, she would say a little something, something. But really, most people don't know what that is. I call it, what is that secret magnetism that you have? But what does that look like? So I want you to think back to in the days when we were meeting with one another face to face, there was always a man or a woman in the room that everybody was around. And when that person came in the room, let's say it's a gentleman and he just walks in with a confident gait. His posture is great. He's standing up straight. His shoulders are back. His head is high. He comes in and he gives you a firm handshake and he looks you in the eye and says, good morning to you. And he's smiling and he acknowledges everybody and everybody is drawn to him for some reason. They don't know what it is, but they just know I want to breathe this person's air. Right. And it's this magnetism. And in essence, it is everything about your demeanor and your actions that demonstrate to others that you are of leadership quality, that you are somebody to be respected and to be followed. In a nutshell, executive presence is your demeanor, your gravitas, how you behave, what you say and how you speak, and ultimately your appearance. And today we're talking about your appearance on screen as well as your attire. So that's the essence of executive presence. And I suppose what we're saying then from the perspective employer, Pam, mm -hmm. is that that magnetism conveys confidence and yes. calmness um, and capability. It has that sort of, um, that standing. That's what you're saying. And so mm -hmm. therefore, that's mm -hmm. why employers and even people like myself, we look for those qualities. Mm -hmm. We would call them uh, your core, you know, maybe your core competencies. Uh, that we can demonstrate that virtually. You believe, and so moving on then to the virtual world, um, you know, we're talking about virtual meetings a lot and preparing energetically for virtual meetings. Um, mm. You know, I'm sort of thinking now, many of us each day, I mean, I have five interviews later on today. I have never met these people before. I have mm -hmm. communicated with them quite a lot on LinkedIn and, and just through the application process, as you can appreciate, seek and otherwise and email. But I've never met them before. I guess my question to you is how could they prepare? And some of them may be actually listening into this podcast because I've told them they might be a good idea for them to do so. Um, what advice would you give them in preparing energetically for their interviews today with me? Fabulous question. Uh, think about uh, how people would prepare for a meeting if it was going to be in person. You're going to do your homework. You're going to arrive early, hopefully, uh, and you're going to arrive calm and collected. What we're finding today is online. People are showing up to their meetings just barely a few minutes before the meeting starts. They might be rushing. They come to their table or their desk, and you can kind of get the sense of this. 
we want you to put that on pause. That's a no-go. What I mean coming energetically means preparing before the meeting. That means 15 minutes before you're going to come, you're going to get yourself in a state of mind, in a resourceful state of mind. That means I need to be present before I present to you. So that means getting ready. That means doing a tech check. And what I mean by tech check means if you have Zoom, even if it's not on Zoom, but if you're doing something on Zoom, turn on your camera, look at your background, do my clothes compete with my backdrop or am I, you know, or I am contrasting? Um, Does my desk look clear? Do I show up? Am I ready to go? When the camera comes on, you know, are my clothes the way I want them to be? Uh, If I've just finished lunch, do I have spinach in my teeth or ladies, do I have lipstick on my teeth? I need to be ready energetically and five, 10 minutes beforehand, even if you have to sit there. But I also want you to smile and practice smiling three to five minutes before you start. So when the camera comes on, you start like that. Because if you start like this, that is you have just set the tone for your entire interview. How you start is how you will carry through for the entire interview. So start with high energy. That means using your voice smiling and being physically present, sitting up straight and ready for the first question. Bring your energy, bring yourself to that meeting. It's funny, isn't it? When you're talking to people who've got a low um, energy, um, Mm. you know, whatever preparation to one side, but you can actually almost tangibly feel virtually when somebody actually has a very low energy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's a uh, yeah. I guess I was going to say to you the pitfalls of replacing professionalism with pl- complacency, and I'm honestly I have to say this. It, you know, I probably was part of the braless brigade over COVID twenty. You know, twenty twenty. I was sort of thinking, you know, I'm not in the office every day. You know, there was probably a little bit of slacking of my dress code and so forth. And I'm also thinking, you know, the barefoot wanderer around the house. I never stop working. But I can't say that I applied the same sort of standards that I would if I had been going to the office every day. For sure. for people who are looking for jobs right now in a job market where there isn't a lot, or people who are interviewing where you really have to nail that interview, mm-hmm. or in any meetings that you have with your colleagues, your managers, or executives in your company, what for you would be sort of the pitfall of not really, I guess, yeah. Well, what does complacency look like? in a professional sense anyway, and what could be a pitfall associated with that? Okay, well, let's talk about it from two standpoints. If I am interviewing, and I know that people have taken this casual position, but we have to think about it, think about the the phrase, you only get one chance to make a first impression. So what impression do you want to give? And you would not show up to an in-person interview wearing a raggedy t-shirt or, you know, having holes in it, or maybe a a stain down the front, your hair on, you know, combed. So why should you show up that way in an interview? You need to put your best self forward. We know that a picture is worth a thousand words and a video is worth a million. So you need to put your best self forward in the, because you don't have the job yet. But in the working environment, when you are still working with your colleagues and your your management, yes, there may be a change in the dynamics of how you're dressed and that you're given permission to be that way. But I think there's the risk of taking it too far 
I'm all for smart casual, but I'm not for sloppy casual. And I'm definitely not for PJs. Um, I believe that there's a perception and everything is perception. Executive presence, leadership perception is all about is all around perception. So if you are showing up and you don't bother to comb your hair and you throw on some T-shirt that you've had for 10 years and it's got a few holes in it. People start going, wait a minute, this person's starting to get a little bit lazy. Now, if you are perceived as lazy in your dress and your appearance, there could be the perception that you are also becoming lazy in your work. And so the question is, is that the perception you want to give? So yes, between your friends, between your colleagues, it's okay for you to dress down a little bit, but I think you need to be ready in the event something happens at the last moment. Let's say you're wearing a t-shirt and I've got a couple of things I wanna share with you. If you are wearing a t-shirt, ladies, grab handy a scarf that you can just immediately put on and I'm ready to go, tuck that in. Okay, now most people wouldn't necessarily know I'm wearing a t-shirt. I'm also always going to have handy my lipstick so that if the last minute meeting and I don't have time to change Absolutely. my clothes, grab that lipstick, okay? And if you have a compact, okay? And I am going to advocate that you do grab your lingerie and have your lingerie unless your camera is well below, uh, you're sitting well below your camera, okay? So I get that about the comfort, uh, Rosine. I totally get that. But we need to make sure, we need to ask the question, who am I meeting? What's the impression that I want to give? And am I dressing and is my appearance, my backdrop uh, appropriate for the person that I'm actually meeting with? I always say to people, Pam, I think it's so important. You treat yourself like an executive and others will treat you the same. Yes. And I, mean, uh, I actually we're not seeing we're not even in the same country. Right. Let alone in the same room. That's but right. You need to get your, going back to being energetically. I actually put on a spritz of perfume. Now I do that for me so that I feel good about myself so that when I show up, I'm feeling good already. So little things that will make a difference in how you're perceived by other people. Yeah. And I think also how you treat yourself is what you're projecting to others too. That little mm -hmm. splash of perfume, that, mm -hmm. you know, that, that mindset preparation, that discipline of getting into that energetic headspace. It's interesting, Pam, we were talking last week and you were saying, you know, Rasheen, when we're in a face-to-face -face interview, and it's true, that in itself is awkward enough. But I'm just wondering, how do you actually do a professional handshake when you're talking to people virtually? I'm thinking in particular, you know, you could have, for heaven's sake, we've got Clubhouse, we've got all sorts of stuff now where people talk to each other and more and more. But I'm thinking it's not unusual for, for me to have interviews and virtual interviews with me initially, and then they could be talking to two or three people at the other side. How mm -hmm. do people give a virtual handshake to a panel who is, who is about to interview them? If I were the interviewee, I would first find out, if there, I know it's going to be a panel, I might ask the, my contact, who are, who are those individuals going, that are going to be on the, on the call? And get their names and practice their names. People love hearing their names. So again, I have a crazy name, you know, like as you say, the Harry Potter-esque name, Wigglesworth. It's only three syllables, but most people get it wrong. And so I've learned to kind of accept it, but people are really picky about having their name said correctly. So the first thing I would find out is who's on the panel. Then 
rather than look at all four or five whomever's on the call at them individually, I would have their names or I might take a quick glance down in my peripheral vision, look at their name, and then I would greet them one by one with eye contact and saying their name. Good morning, Roisin. It's nice to meet you. Mr. Miss Duffy, it's nice to meet you. Good morning, Mrs. Wigglesworth. Thank you for being on the call. There's not, I can't physically greet you, but I can greet you with my voice, my words, and my eye contact. And that's how we make a connection. That's how we build rapport is with our, with our eye contact. The other thing is, as you're listening, tilt your head a little bit to the side. Okay. As I'm listening to you, I'm not looking at you, but I want to nod to indicate that I'm hearing what you have to say. And the other thing is to participate in active listening skills. And that means making sure that I understand what the other person has said by using phrases such as, well, if I heard you correctly, you are asking why it is that I chose to take that particular career path. Well, to answer that question, so I'm prephrasing, or uh, it sounds like you're curious about my background and how I volunteer with my volunteering. So active listening skills, but you need to use your eye contact and your voice to make sure that you're connecting with them before. And you I think that's a, that's a really useful tip in another context too, because sometimes if you don't get the question you're being asked and trust me, I've been coaching panels and working with people for a long time, both sides, both the interviewee and the panels and the people who interview them. You know, people don't always ask. Some people are not great at interviewing. Some people are very uncomfortable interviewing and they don't always ask the, the right questions in a way that's that's good or or clear. Don't be afraid to ever ask. I'm not really sure what you're saying there, but can I just rephrase? I think that's that, you know, clarify the context before you storm in. One of the things that I think is interesting um, is confidence. Mm. And a confident communicator is a wonderful thing, really. And I guess, but then we have underconfident people. We have quiet achievers. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, when it comes to executive presence, whether you're overconfident, confident, um, you know, or underconfident, any of that category can build self-esteem and confidence and capability in areas and go right to the top. How do you, though, when you're on the way through or you're trying to convey your executive presence, if you're overconfident, how do you strike the balance between overconfident or underconfident? So it's that thing, if you're underconfident, how might you be a little bit more confident? And if you're overconfident, how do you dial that back a touch? Uh, the, I think the overconfident person probably has, some people might say has an easier go, um, but I think sometimes they probably have a greater challenge because they have to learn how to dial it back. Uh, whereas the, the person who has less confidence, you know, some people use the expression, fake it to your make it. I prefer to, that doesn't always resonate with people because you use the word fake, but you could change that by saying, act as if, act as if you are confident. So we know that we have a mind body connection, right? We can tell our mind can tell our little pinky to move. So why not can our body also tell our mind that we're confident? So if my, if I act as if I'm confident and I sit up straight, I give you eye contact, I smile, I start there in, in the physical sense. But in this case, no matter whether it's an overconfident person or underconfident, then you need, there's three things I, I like to say is you need to demonstrate brand you. You need to demonstrate brand Rosine. 
And how do we do that? We need to look at three things. First of all, you need to convey using your words, using your language. What do you stand for? And that is, what's your value proposition? What is it that you bring to the company by conveying that? So I can still be quiet and still share that. The second is, what is your points of differentiation? What makes you different? What makes you stand out from other people? And then the last part is, what's the third one I want to say? Um, it's about your marketability. You know, what makes you compelling? so that you can use your words, I can be quiet, I can be soft-spoken, and I can still share that information with the interviewer by using sound bites that they go, oh, that they grab, and they go, wow, that's quiet confidence. And that's just, that's equally as powerful as the person who's a little bit louder. So using language, I think, is the most powerful thing in this day and age when we're on the virtual screen, your language and how you speak. I think I think in your public relations book, you made some reference about communication with poise. And a lot of that is gauging the tone and the temperament and finding your rhythm in all mm -hmm. of that when you're talking to people. But, you know, I suppose I'd say the word being typically Irish, I'd say blabbering on is probably never likely to get someone an interview. That mm. ability to pause, take stock, have moments of silence, even, you know, practice showing that you're actually listening. Yes. Um, but I think what you said there, Pam, about um, celebrating you, celebrating uniqueness and being able to showcase and differentiate that, mm -hmm. that's absolutely, absolutely powerful in an interview. Yeah. And we need to, you know, when we talk about the art of communication or the poise, is really just being comfortable with yourself. But today, as you say, you don't want to be rambling on and babbling. Okay, so I'm going to use a, a to use an articulation or um, is to say people need to be clear, concise, and compelling. Mm -hmm. So interviews are getting shorter. Meetings are need to be shorter because attention spans are shorter. So that means I need to think about what I want to say. I need to be clear about what I want to say. I need to be concise in what I want to say. And it's got to move the needle. It's got to get people to understand that by bringing me in, I can also contribute to the transformation of the organization. So they need to be clear, concise, and compelling, coming up with their sound bites, their word palettes, uh, knowing what it is that they wanna say that when they have that question coming to them, they've got an answer of, or some kind of answer ready to go that get people's attention. You made a very valuable point there. Um, you know, somebody said to me there were an interview the other day, and it was an IT interview. For, um, and I think it took something like an hour and a half. And I think it was about five people from the other side. You know, I'm not ever going to question about how many people need to be in a room talking to one individual who doesn't mm -hmm. even really know them that well. But I think that's, that's kind of a bit overkill. But hey. But the truth is, even from my sessions, my interviews are getting shorter and shorter with people because I don't have to go through the meet and greet and literally sit them down and would you like a tea or coffee or all those things. You're literally having a few minutes of get to know each other and then you're straight into it. So it's a very efficient way of conducting mm -hmm. interviews or conducting business meetings. So that's something for people, that compelling piece. So mm -hmm. what did you say, clarity? Clear, um, clear, 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 clear and, and compelling. compelling. In shorter periods of time. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, you know, you talk, you talk about clothes a while ago. And I'm wondering, you know, Wall Street, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, I was just doing a bit of research on this. They've all um, 
really sort of relax their dress codes. And I guess that's for some people to to still bear in mind. But I guess, as you said earlier on, dress up the T-shirt, dress up the top, you know, make yourself look smart when you're on those interviews. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing I wanted to talk to you about too, Pam, is distractions. What okay. goes nowadays? You know, I once had somebody go to an interview, um, and I'll say who it was actually, it was Queensland Treasury Corporation. And this man could not get a babysitter for his son. So he had to take his four-year-old with him and take, you know, the crayons and the, the drawing pad so that he could be entertained and sit on reception while the father went for interview. And it was an absolute clincher because the person who was interviewing him was a, um, a parent herself and really appreciated that he was taking his responsibility seriously. And, yeah, he got the job and was there for actually quite a number of years. What is the etiquette, though, in terms of distractions Mm. What is acceptable when it comes to virtual meetings? And and I guess, is it a bad thing if your child climbs up in your lap? Is it a bad thing if the dog is barking in the background? I don't really know that you can do much about either, really. But I'm just curious, what is what what goes nowadays? I think that that's a good question. I think a lot of that depends on who I'm meeting with. If I was having an interview, I would want to make sure I had as little as few distractions as possible. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I'm going to turn off. My, put my phone on silent. Um, I'm going to turn off all the notifications that might pop up on my um, on my laptop. I don't want any bings, bangs, or anything like that. Then, if I had, if there was small children, uh, you might want to consider, depending on the age group, you probably can get away with this. Maybe to about kids eight and maybe five or something, maybe a little bit younger. Is download a movie onto an iPad and then put them in a different room. But when you set the iPad up, set the movie so it runs on airplane mode because you don't want them drawing any of your internet power away from you. So you need to have this conversation. Kids that are old enough to understand that, you put them in a separate room and you say, mommy's gonna be busy for a few you know, moments. I'll come and get you when I'm ready. But hopefully the movie will keep them busy. Pets, you've gotta keep them distracted. Um, or out of the room if it's a really important meeting. You can't control barking, but if you can't, you got to get the the dog as far away from you as possible. Um, I know another person that I remember reading, what she did was she has this dispenser that dispenses pet treats at a designated time. So to keep her dog preoccupied, she said it so that the dispenser would you know give a treat every 15 minutes. And so the dog just got to the point we'd sit there waiting for the treat. So she could probably get through a half an hour without the dog barking or maybe an hour because the dog was like, when's my next treat? When do I get the next treat? So that's one way of, of maybe treating the dog and get those things through uh, pet supply stores where it dispenses the, the food for them. Um, but sometimes you can't control it. And so I think you have to manage people's expectations in advance. I would probably say to an interviewer, um, I do have a, a two-year-old. Um, and sometimes, you know, I have shut the door, but sometimes if the crying gets out of hand, um, you might let that child in. Hopefully people are more understanding. What I would probably do with a little one like that is I would also have a set of crayons and some coloring books. And I would say, okay, mommy's going to be going on a meeting now. Here's, you know, your, here's your coloring book. And if you're really, really quiet, guess what? We're going to have some ice cream after, after we finish. But you have to promise you're going to be quiet. So we might have to bribe a kid, you know, who doesn't understand that mom's really doing work because a two-year-old doesn't understand why mom's not letting you in and the door is locked when they know they can hear you on the other side. So I think it all depends on the situation. Some people are more forgiving than others, 
but I think we need to plan it just like we would plan anything else. I need to plan for the pets and the children or anybody else. And you might even bring in a babysitter within your own home. I thought that was a great idea that the gentleman at least tried, but you might need to do find that. Find somebody who can take the kids for a walk or take them to the park for a short few minutes or whatever the time that you need so that you do have that peace and quiet and that you can be at your, your give your A game. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely spot on. In reality, if you've got distractions and you've got, you know, executive people are really, really busy and it's not to say that they're not understanding, but meetings yeah. are getting shorter, executive attention, you must always be respectful of that. And I think you too will not bring your A game if you've got somebody clambering up and a little person clambering up in your lap. Although I have to say there's an element of that, that if you've got the most gorgeous child in the world who's smiling at the camera, it could be the clincher. You just yeah. never know whether that works for or against you. Yeah. Pam, I'm curious, in, um, in Singapore, you know, mm-hmm. I, I said to you actually um, that even tonight, I think tomorrow night or Friday night, I'm having my Friday night reds with my girlfriends. So these are people who could have worked for my agency that I haven't seen. And I mean, Ruth, that I'm chatting with tomorrow night, we haven't probably spoken for 10 years. And mm. I think we've got a few other people. Like we may communicate, like when Ruth hasn't spoken to her for 10 years, but others perhaps that I haven't seen physically or haven't mm-hmm. been on the phone to, I might have dropped them an email here and there over the years. You know, we're all busy and so mm-hmm. are they. But yeah, I've now got this thing, open the bottle of red and have, you know, Friday night, nat- you know, catch up with people. I call it natters. And have a glass of red or two and share some time with people that you haven't seen for a long time, whether they're professional colleagues or, or, or friends in another country, whatever the case may be. Have you seen anything unusual coming out of Singapore around virtual meetings and socializing virtually? I think we need to distinguish between two. Is it networking for work purposes or is it networking to be social? So one of the things that um, there's a couple groups that I'm involved in, one of them, every now and then one of the ladies will say, let's get together on Friday, um, bring your glass of wine and we'll all get together. And that's kind of how they preface it. What happened was hours before that meeting, one of the members said, oh, this will be the topic of discussion. It totally put me off because I went, I thought we were going to just do a, an informal get together. I didn't want to be joining something that had an agenda. So that turned me off. Um, If you're going to keep it so that there's a little bit of, you know, people want to talk about work, that's fine. Maybe you break them into breakout groups and you say, if you're going to want to talk about business or have questions, go to breakout room A. If you just want to socialize and, you know, share about your wine or what you're drinking, go to breakout room B. Or if, you know, any other topic C because you don't want to lose people. Because here's the other thing that's we need to be aware of this dynamics. If even when we're networking, we're still operating in this small square from where whether we're socializing or whether we were visiting our family or whether we're doing work. So people are still feeling the same stress and strain when they get on camera. So they may not want to have their camera on. They just want to turn the camera off, which is kind of unfair if you're doing some networking. But know that People are still feeling a little bit edgy in these networking sessions because there's no change in the environment. So maybe you can put on a little bit of music um, beforehand, but have it so it's fun. So people feel like it is something different. 
versus, you know, a virtual birthday party versus virtual meeting. You've got to change the dynamics because otherwise people are still sitting in the same spot all the time. Change it up. Yeah, I have to say I'd be pretty cranky if somebody invited me on a Friday night on my social time. And, you know, yes, these people are people that I know professionally, but they're also people that I regard almost as friends. I, I, I feel warm and, in, and, and I find them endearing to me. So the whole idea of having those Friday night get-togethers is, guess what? When we switch off, I'll probably do another couple of hours of work. Who knows? I may not. But mm-hmm. we can have that bit of quality time, even though we're not in the same place and we don't see each other all the time. And I wouldn't classify them as close friends. I, mm-hmm. I probably would classify them as, yeah, friends, acquaintances, and people that I just like to hang out with. You know that kind of thing? Yeah. Moving in that direction. Um, Pam, a question for you. Um, final, final tips, advice for our audience today. What would you say to them? That we... The world is constantly changing. We know that. We know that COVID was a major disruptor and people are still getting used to this environment. Yes, for many of us, it's been about a year now since you might have started any type of lockdown or working from home. And so the rules are changing because there really are no rules. It's kind of up to the organization. It's up to you. But one thing I do want people to be aware of is that how you show up both energetically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, still makes an impact in the working world. And that this is just a delivery mechanism. And so if you haven't already mastered the technology, you need to get on board with that. There's still people out there that are going, they're doing what we call managing the tech. That is, can you hear me? Can you hear me? You know, can you see me? You know, Um, or they're just unaware of how they might be invading other people's space. And yes, virtually we can invade other people's space by simply being like watching a video like that, listening. Okay, so we gotta be careful. So know that how you show up is still equally important. And especially because we have the uh, ability to communicate with people all around the world, you wanna be at your absolute best. So don't disregard this. Don't think that I can just show up five minutes before or a minute before and be it on, you know, bring my A game. Bringing your A game takes preparation, takes some time and thinking it through. So last thing is have that one sound bite, that one elevator pitch that describes who you are. So if anybody asks about you, they'll go, wow, I want to learn more uh, versus, well, thanks so much for your time. And then they're ready to be out of the interview. So. Uh, but be ring your A-game, prepare, be your best, and focus on the camera. Give eye contact. That's the number one tip. Face the camera. Can I tell you, everybody, Pam Wigglesworth said to me, Roisin, look in the camera. Roisin, I had a whole etiquette class for today's session, mm-hmm. and I hope that I'm much better and then I have been perhaps in previous sessions because, of course, I'm I'm work in motion. I'm constantly developing. Um, but for today, I want to say to Pam Wigglesworth, you know what? You are just a pleasure to have. Your warmth is quite clear. The care uh, factor is huge. And I think there is just so much there for people to tune into and really take away and make their own. Because remember, folks, people are always watching and always listening. It doesn't matter what the mode is. It doesn't matter what the, the means is. Um, they're always looking for those subtle cues. 
And yeah. trust me, nothing is more apparent to people like me or even when I go into meetings. So the people that I see virtually or otherwise, when you're not prepared and you're not energetically in that mindset to bring your best, your A game, as Pam would say. Pam, thank you very, very much. Um, stay on the line because we're going to have a chat after the show. Absolutely. Um, to everybody else, um, thank you so much for tuning in and listening. This will all be going out live and multi-purposed in all sorts of ways on social media. So you, you'll, you'll find the show and you can tune in and pick up what you need out of it. Um, until next Tuesday, 12 noon, uh, we'll have another special guest and another conversation about, you know, the Living Your Career show and how we can give you the confidence and the tools to make your career successful. On that note, we will tune out. Bye-bye for me and goodbye from Pam too. Thank you.